0: Okay, and this is Crab Tactical Review, and I'm Justin Hollinger.
1: And I'm Kevin Seiler.
0: And this is week 34 of the Cult Movie Challenge. Mm-hmm. And this week was American International Pictures Week. And we watched Roger Corman's pretty cool classic, I would say. Yeah. A Bucket of Blood. With the very recognizable Dick Miller, a.k.a. Oh, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's pretty much that's the best way to describe him.
1: Pretty much, uh... I recognized him from Gremlins.
0: I was actually—I was wondering if you were going to say that or Pulp Fiction.
1: What was he in Pulp Fiction?
0: He was the guy that owned like the chop shop that they took the uh, car to. They had uh, Phil Mar in the back. Oh, okay. Um, we'll get to all that in a little bit. First is the off-topic stuff, which we're pretty much just carrying over from last week because we fucked up on the recording from last week. So we just
1: well, we c- didn't fuck up. Our computers fucked up.
0: Okay, that's true.
1: I ain't taking the fall for technology.
0: All right, <laughs> um, fuck ups occurred, and because of computers. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> just all right. <laughs> thought thought the version I was saying was fine, but we'll move on. We'll move on. <laughs> Things happened. As the result of some things, bottom line, we had to uh, do just basically like a mini episode as like a a placeholder, which I think actually worked out a little bit better than the last time this happened, which is I just tried to summarize it as best I could within five minutes by myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I
0: was very disappointed too, because it was Invasion USA. That was a good one to go with. Yeah, it was. But uh, anyway, off topic stuff. First one that I can think of is that I saw that it's being reported that Sony Pictures is going to lose $70 million over the Ghostbusters remake. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds right. (laughs) Yeah, this is one of those movies where, like, the reviews have been mostly positive not like really positive but
1: yeah not glowing but yeah but
0: pretty good pretty good level i think it's 73% on rotten tomatoes and i've yet to hear a single person say that they liked it in person
1: yeah like i've
0: seen some people just you know imdb reviews and whatnot say that they liked it but those people they're not really giving saying why yeah there's like man, Fuck the haters! This movie's amazing. Oh my god! And blah blah blah. It's like that.
1: That that right there therein lies the problem uh, with those types of reviews. Because like right out the gate, they're just saying fuck the haters. So like regardless of the actual quality of the movie, they're going to say they like it just to prove a point. It feels like
0: yeah, it's like uh, it's uh, rebellious positivity.
1: Yeah, and that's it's stupid. Con- contrarianism mm-hmm. but like if a lot of people it's, it's the same attitude that like if a lot of people like something then oh it's not cool anymore yeah. but if a lot of people hate something oh it's cool to like it So
0: or be like you like it ironically or you know, yeah. shit like that um, yeah I I didn't really have a lot of hopes for this movie just not because of the fact that it was women it was because of who the women were and yeah. because I just don't really care much for the type of comedy that the director is known for. Yeah. I still don't really I mean, Bridesmaids is considered like a modern comedy classic and I don't agree with that at all. It's fine. Next.
1: Yeah. I mean, I like Freaks and Geeks, but
0: Did he have anything to do with that?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it was created by Paul Fig.
0: I thought it was Judd Apatow.
1: Produced by Judd Apatow.
0: Okay. I've never watched Freaks and Geeks, so it's know. it's
1: really good. I, uh, it it holds up pretty well despite uh, what Paul Feg has done <laughs> since. But uh, I mean, I, I I still really enjoy it.
0: Okay, I I did I remember I did watch Undeclared. I don't know if was that that wasn't Paul Feg, was it? Or I don't was, believe so. That was I think maybe just pure appetite, pure yeah. uncut Apatow.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> but it they pretty much put. There are cards on the table really early on in all this when Feg was just like he was making a full time job out of fighting back with people that were making insults or making arguments on Twitter about the movie. Yeah. Which, hey, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna defend people that are making outright sexist insults. About the movie. Or in the case of Leslie Jones making outright racist remarks about the movie. Those people exist. And there's nothing you can do about it. That's the bad side of Twitter. Everyone gets a voice. Yeah. Not just everyone that is worth hearing. It's everyone. Mm -hmm. So you're going to get a lot of shitty people. You just got to learn to ignore it. There's a ban button for a reason. Yeah. A ban button, block button, whatever it is on Twitter use it, and move on. But he decided to take a different route and engage them. Uh, Leslie Jones was doing that as well. I don't know, I don't think McKinnon, Wig, or McCarthy did. Yeah. And I do, I specifically remember a moment when Judd Apatow, who I don't even know if he's got any sort of credit with the movie at all. I don't think he does.
1: Yeah, he's just buddies with Paul Figg.
0: Yeah, buddies with Paul Fagg, you know, he's worked with uh he's worked to a gr- to a degree with Kristen Wiig cuz i mean i think he was still technically a producer on Anchorman 2 and she was in that and i mean i'm i'm sure that he runs in the same crowd with a lot of the people that were involved with Ghostbusters yeah does and he had made some remark in an interview saying that the people that aren't supporting the upcoming Ghostbusters remake are probably the same sort of people that would vote for Trump <laughs> which That's a really narrow-minded and just overall stupid thing to say. Like, the cards were laid out on the table. Yes, we're using the fact that it's an all-woman cast to dismiss any remarks criticizing the movie as being sexist. Yeah. And go fuck yourself for that. That's... What a shit thing to do, man.
1: More than anything, that almost feels like... Like, they don't even necessarily think that they have a good product. Mm -hmm. Like, if if their response is just, you know, blanket statement, you don't like it because you're sexist, then that, like, like they're not actually defending their movie. And and that doesn't really show a a strong degree of faith in -hmm. their own product, in my opinion.
0: The best I can say in their defense on that is that it could just be a matter of... Not that they didn't think the movie was good, but that they've seen throughout history enough occasions where uh, a beloved property is started back up without the original cast, and people just fucking hate it right out the gate, so they're like, well, let's make this as like our security blanket. There's going to be some outright hate just on the concept alone, so we can shove this back in their face. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, then they just ended up carrying it over to... Uh, the movie genuinely doesn't really impress anyone because they're all sexist. Yeah. But yeah, I think it's a really shitty thing to do. Yeah. And I'm sure they'll make claims like, no, that's not the case at all. And hell, we didn't even plan to have it be an all-female cast. We just decided, let's try to get the funniest people we can think of. And it just all happened to be women. <laughs> that I tell you, one of the top four comedians in... The world right now is the woman that is just loud all the time. <laughs> That'd be Leslie Jones. Yeah. And, oh, man, I, I love uh, crass, clumsy, fat woman over here, Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> She's one of my favorites going on right now.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, there's more to her than that. I I, don't know. I I saw Spy. I didn't really see much more. Did you, did you, you didn't see Spy yet, did you? I have not. Might want to keep it that way.
1: Uh, I have no plan on changing that. Okay.
0: Good for you then. (laughs) I guess I probably should have left with this first and foremost. (laughs) We have a second podcast coming up. Mm -hmm. This one is going to be focusing on a different subject from this podcast, and it's going to be focusing on another uh, pretty hefty passion of ours professional wrestling. Yeah. Calling it smarks and recreation,
1: it's true. We are calling it that.
0: You, you said it's true. My first thought was Kurt Angle. <laughs> <laughs> um, on this podcast, the plan at the moment is it's going to be a pay per view and special review podcast. So, like all the WWE pay per views, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, etc. Yeah, some specials and pay per views from other. Uh, What's, it, what's promotions? Yeah, like Ring of Honor, TNA, New NXT. Japan, New yeah NXT. They're all gonna find their way in there at some point. Mm-hmm. Probably WWE, but like that'll probably be the one where it's like every pay per view is covered. Yeah, but everyone else is like, if you know the stars align. I I know I'll definitely make a point to do Wrestle Kingdom whenever that comes up, which is yeah, like, that'll be January. Like Janu- yeah, January fourth. Okay. Always January fourth, which I always find it weird. They don't go with a, yeah. uh, they don't make it like the first Sunday of the year. It's yeah. January fourth, no matter what day of the year it is.
1: Yeah. Fair enough.
0: It, oh man, what if if uh, it catches on enough at some point? What we should do is try to cover the New Japan G one climax. Well, you know? what's that again? It's uh
1: sounds sexual, so I'm interested.
0: It's basically like. Uh, the prize is what Money in the Bank is in WWE, where whoever wins it, they get a guaranteed shot at the title. Nice, but instead of it being like what I think, like an eight-person ladder match, which something like that. Money in the Bank is this is a, ra- a round robin tournament, which you know. So, in other words, everyone faces everyone else. You get every oh. match possible. I think. It's either like 32 or 64 participants. Jeez. And uh, there are 19 days of it. (laughs) So,
1: that... Holy shit.
0: (laughs) Now, that's a lot. Yeah. Probably didn't have to state that. (laughs) What does make it interesting, this particular year's G1 Climax, which just wrapped up about a week or two ago, from that, uh, Dave Meltzer, who, for people who don't, you know, don't follow wrestling or what have you, uh, Dave Meltzer, he's basically like the Roger Ebert of professional wrestling. Mm. He's like uh, the journalist that he's been in this for so many years, so many decades at this point. A lot of people really pay attention to what he has to say. And he uh, rates matches on a five star scale mm-hmm. with like quarter star intervals. Very, very rare to get a five-star rating from him. At one point, I about 3 or 4 years went by between five-star matches. Mm. This particular uh, G1 climax had two five-star matches. Holy shit. That's saying something. Yeah. If you do look at like his history of five-star match ratings, you will notice like for the most part they kind of come in waves. Yeah. Like uh, right now he's in his new Japan wave. Uh, there was an All Japan wave. There was, I think it was like uh, late 80s, early 90s. He was leaning towards WCW when they were first starting like the war games. I think two of those war game matches had uh, five-star ratings. Okay. And there was like a, a Flair Steamboat match that had that rating as well. So like, I, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard to say like, you know, it, is this favoritism or is it just... Uh, a sign that you know uh this is where
1: shit's happening right now yeah
0: promotions have their ebb and flows you know they'll have their ups and their downs and at this particular moment new japan is just having an up in terms of overall quality whereas everyone else not as much valid point but yeah that would be uh that'd be something very interesting to try i don't i don't know how we even go about it to be honest with you
1: yeah yeah, like pick-and-choose matches or something.
0: If nothing else, maybe it just be like the last two, the last day or last two or three days or whatever. I did see that the last... I don't know if there's, they did it for all the days, but if nothing else, for the last three days of this particular G1 Climax, they did simulcast it with English commentary. Oh, nice. Uh, one of them, I think it's the same crew that did... This past Wrestle Kingdom ten, okay. Uh, if nothing else, it's Kevin Kelly. Yeah, he came over from it, and he was even in Japan. Like they, I, I was watching the beginning of one of the nights, and uh, him. It's him and the other two guys just sitting right there. So it's not just you know they're getting like the feed via satellite and they're doing commentary to it. They're they're there live. Nice. So I thought that was a really nice touch. But yes, if you have an interest in professional wrestling. Like I know I do, and I like I know that Kevin does. Please do check out Smarks of Recreation. Our first episode will be up very soon. We're recording this uh, the day after SummerSlam, and that's going to be our first review. Mm-hmm. We're we're not going to be on the ball as quick as like you know right out the gate review shows yeah. or pay per views. I have finished watching SummerSlam. You haven't uh, you haven't started yet, but correct. Yeah, it's that's one great thing about watching wrestling. Like you can just like. Match here, match there. Yeah. We'll build it up. Moving on. I did see that from the sounds of it, the planned crossover between Men in Black and 21 Jump Street is probably not going to happen, or yeah. if nothing else, is being put on a back burner. Yeah. Which... Mm,
1: I'm yeah. not heartbroken, but... At the same time, like I, I was kind of looking forward to seeing it. Yeah, so like, I, I, I thought it'd be a fun little, uh, like not take yourself too seriously, just you know, stupid fun for a couple mm-hmm. hours.
0: Plus, well, so like at this point, it's like okay, you know, if you want to kind of do a soft reboot of Men in Black, that's fine because it, it felt like it was just a miracle that you were able to get Will Smith to do the last one anyway. So I don't <laughs> expect uh, anything from him. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, this would have been an interesting way to do it, to kind of use another franchise to soft reboot this franchise.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting idea.
0: And, you know, they could have, like, introduced, like, maybe had, like, um... Like a, a supporting buddy cop set up in the yeah. background on this one. And then the next movie, Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum would bow out, and the backup... Uh buddy cop team would be the front and center newman and black and like hey, yeah that'd be an interesting concept but i don't know i guess it's not going to happen yeah that, that's kind of a shame because if nothing else this wasn't this was a somewhat interesting idea and i don't really know how many times that's happened in the past few years
1: uh at least once this one yeah
0: okay <laughs> just want to make sure we're all keeping track at home
1: yeah <laughs> mark your tally one good idea.
0: marker Tally?
1: Well, if you're keeping track, you can make a tally mark.
0: Okay. I never I never heard of it as marker Tally though. That was I was taken off by that. Okay. Well, I don't really know if I got anything else for off topic. Want you to go ahead and jump right
1: into the movie? Uh well I I got a couple things that are relevant to this week, I guess. Okay. Uh, one I I'm not gonna go too hard into, but uh, I've I've been thinking a little bit going uh, back to a uh, Suicide Squad as we love to do mm-hmm. uh, uh, about uh, like the complaints surrounding the relationship between Joker and Harley and how it's portrayed and how it's not accurate to the comics and is
0: this primarily Casey's? He
1: he's not the only one I've seen reflecting that that sentiment for those reasons. Okay, uh, I I I, I want to make the it just. Uh, again i'm not saying the movie was good i had fun with it but uh but that that's about it uh but in in defense of that portrayal uh we're not really see we're we're kind of in the movie from harley's perspective more so than like, like it, it's not a batman movie it's not a like we're not seeing it from you know an outsider's perspective we're we're following harley so we're getting you know Sort of her perspective on it, and I, I think that kind of uh, it maybe explains why it's less uh, psychological abuse from the Joker and more, mm-hmm. you know, just romantic and
0: maybe you think like she's romanticizing it. Like, maybe um, we're yeah. not seeing like an accurate representation of how things went down.
1: Yeah, we're we're just getting the uh, the parts that she likes to see. <laughs> Maybe I guess. maybe the and
0: producers it... were hoping that's how everyone was going to feel like oh that's exactly why the editing <laughs> was so choppy she's just so sporadic yeah. <laughs> the, uh, she she's a wild one you know you, yeah she just got just goes all over the place and she <laughs> she's so crazy she does not care about character development that's how crazy <laughs> she is Wait, I
1: I I just wanted to touch on that a little bit like...
0: you know I still stand by my thought that I never really thought of the relationship between the two being that he constantly abuses her both physically and emotionally. And she's basically staying in this relationship out of fear. I've never thought that that was the end all be all interpretation of how this relationship is.
1: I I don't think she's uh, like, I don't think she sees herself as the abuse victim who is sticking around, uh, just out, out of fear. Uh, but, well, I, mean,
0: I, I don't think a lot of women that are in this sort of situation th- look at it that way.
1: Yeah, but I don't... Like, she's... Uh, I I think it's more Stockholm Syndrome than, like, just afraid to leave. Like, she's convinced that, uh, you know, what what he's doing is a, you know, form of romance. Uh, and so she's, you know, taking a hook, hook line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. But he's really just, like... She's more of a a toy uh for him to play with for you him.
0: Oh, so. well, I don't know. We kind of kind of get that Yeah. in the movie. Where he like uh he basically you know, uses shock therapy. Yeah. Or shock treatment I should say to fuck her head up. Although he shocks her. Yes. <laughs> he uses this, the shocker on her. Yep. Shock a con. Um but we do get a scene before that where they're having a, a therapy session, I guess that's what you call it, yeah, that looks really phony looking to That's one thing I, I forgot to mention in either our episode or Casey's episode covering this movie is that that uh, the flashbacks where she is uh, normal like, pre-Harley Quinn freak out. Yeah. And then the one little... Uh, granted, it's a very quick cutaway scene of her in the classic Harley Quinn outfit, like, uh, as it was on the animated series, and uh, the Joker in a tux dancing... Yeah. Like, uh, like a kind of Walt Steyer. Like ballroom yeah. yeah. Both... The way she looks in both of those moments is just... It feels like it's a fucking fan film. Yeah. It's just so phony looking. And it's like... This doesn't feel like this is a, l- a large-budget movie. This feels like just some fans scrapped <laughs> maybe a couple thousand maximum together.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and Wh- which is probably what Warner Brothers had after they blew all their budget on music The licensing. original vision? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, but...
0: <laughs> Every time I tell a director <laughs> to voice his artistic vision... It bites me in the ass because they give me a good movie. Yeah. I can't market good shit.
1: Why do you like think the, the,
0: Transformers the... <laughs> does so well?
1: Yeah. yeah. The producers just showed up to the set one day. It's like, we got really drunk and bought rights to a lot of songs. Huh? So uh, <laughs> Halloween Express is still open. Just you get the wardrobe from there.
0: <laughs> got really drunk. And we put a lot of money into the jukebox at the bar.
1: So. <laughs> like so much money that we we actually own those songs now <laughs> we
0: we somehow bought the rights to these songs by putting them through the jukebox oh my god yeah. we got out of control <laughs> well did you at least come up with some clever stuff not at all you we went to the it. most
1: played section and just hit filter rock like <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: We were at a biker bar, she probably state that, so yeah, it's a lot of, like, 70s rock that everyone knows, like, the back of their hand. Ugh. God. I just... I, I'm going to need to sit down and talk with Sarah someday about why she liked this movie. This <laughs> like, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't know what, like, I mean, you you've said... That it's not good, but you didn't hate it. It was entertaining, that's about yeah. it.
1: Yeah, I had fun. Is
0: this a situation where it's like... It was entertaining in the sense that... Anything with the Joker and Harley Quinn and... Insert other characters' name here would have been entertaining? Like, could, have, could it have been worse? To you?
1: To me, yeah, it could have. Okay. Like, I, uh... I don't know. I I think I just went in to it, not like ready to not take it seriously. And that kind of helped things. Like I I wasn't looking for, you know, uh, a masterpiece of a film in suicide squad. I was just looking, "Eh, let's have some stupid fun for a couple hours and then I'll go home and won't have power. But, uh, (laughs) but, but yeah, I mean, like I just, I don't know. I, I again, it, it's not good, but I didn't like. I I wasn't like in a hurry to get get it done and over with. Like I, I was entertained by what was happening in front of me.
0: Okay. I I'm good for the most part. Like I'll disagree with it to a certain extent, and yeah, agree with it to a, a different extent. My thing, like I always have the mentality going into any movie that costs nine figures like it, you some people will say like it's stupid to expect more from a movie because it costs more and i don't agree with that at all i, I think if you're going to make a movie that costs that much money and you're going to spend that much time on it and you're going to have that many people working on it then someone should step in and say this is fucked up. Here's why. Here's how we can fix it, and apparently no one does. Yeah, that's the problem. I get the concept of too many cooks in the kitchen, but also keep in mind, you—they're know, not all rookies here. You know, everyone here is established at their job. Yeah, and I.
1: They... I th- oh, good. I I think a lot of uh, the problem. Uh, and, and this isn't even exclusive to, to Warner Brothers and the DC extended universes. Uh, you know, I, I've also seen this in uh, you know the Marvel movies and the X Men movies, and just, a lot of big budget movies where it's not it's not the directors, it's not the writers calling the shots. It's the producers, and they're mm-hmm. not looking at it from a you know how can we make this you know succeed creatively? How can we make this you know receive critical acclaim they're looking at you know bottom line dollars and cents they're looking at how can we market this how can we get this to make money what's selling right now what's popular right now do it that way and I I think that's why uh, a lot of a lot of us as you know as comic book fans as movie fans uh we're being disappointed by a lot of these just because they're not they're they're not being made creatively anymore they're they're being manufactured and, and i think that's where a lot of the problem lies with these movies
0: i think it's yeah i think they're they're wanting to do the manufacture method that marvel has done yeah but they're bringing in people that are too experienced to go with that method yeah i mean you look at like who who they're bringing in at marvel You've got the Russo Brothers, who biggest claim to fame before Captain America would win a soldier was meet you, me, and Dupree. Yeah. Didn't they do some uh, Arrested Development stuff, too? I think they might have. Yeah. You've got... Uh, I think uh, Thor Dark World was uh, someone who directed a few episodes of Game of Thrones. Hmm. You've got Jon Favreau doing the first two Iron Mans, who had, you know, he'd, he'd been a He'd had some success before that, but he wasn't like, you know, he's a a distinct voice or anything. Uh, Yeah. Elf, I think, was probably his biggest movie before that.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Let's see. uh, Third Iron Man was Shane Black, who's been a writer for quite some time, uh, wrote the Lethal Weapon movies. But I think Kiss Kiss Bang Bang may have been his only directorial effort before that. Okay. So, I mean, like, you're not getting, like, really established directors coming in. You're you're bringing in directors that are willing to play ball with the production company. DC, however, I'm thinking this is a little bit of a carryover from the dark Knight trilogy. Christopher Nolan, very distinct voice. He's not going to play ball. You know, he's got, he wants his vision there. And the studios damn well better. Let it happen. On the other hand, though, they're like, you know, they're wanting to kind of replicate that. Like, well, uh, for some reason, someone uh, made them think that Zack Snyder had a vision. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't murky and dark and they brought in david ayer who's got a pretty established filmography end of watch fury he's got a, he's got a well-respected filmography yeah And you're bringing these people in that don't need to put up with this shit yeah that are having to put up with this shit and you're it, it is it's more allowing of too many cooks in the kitchen problems yeah, it's just it's it's a big fucking mess, and God damn, was Suicide Squad a big fucking mess? <laughs> it's God, it. I, like,
1: I I still stand by like I honestly believe it's the best of the three DC movies.
0: If it, my problem with it is that more than the other two, it feels like a, a bait and switch movie.
1: Yeah, it's like I, I could see that.
0: It's like oh shit, the Joker's in this in one very spastic flashback and then kind of pops up a couple times and then boop gun. Yeah.
1: It's like,
0: well, eh. all right. Could you imagine if they didn't have, uh, yeah, should probably stay out of spoiler territory. Yeah. I'll, 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 I'll stay out of spoiler territory. Okay. But in regards to his character, the Joker. There's a, a, a moment at the end of the movie involving him. And I was just going to say, could you imagine if they did not have that moment? <laughs> oh, my God, man. It, it's not even like a great moment. It just it just suggests oh, there's more moments to come. Yeah. But, I mean, like <laughs> if they didn't have that. I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? All of that. And whoop, <laughs> nothing. Ugh. And honestly, from the sounds of it, it might be, that's it. Because Leto's pissed from the really? sounds of it. Oh, Leto, I, from what I've heard, like he flat out feels like he was duped into playing the Joker. <laughs> like He said that they sold me on an artistic vision that was not there.
1: Yeah. So,
0: that's not good. <laughs> And I'm, Get in line, buddy.
1: They did yeah. the same thing to everyone.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm willing to bet that might be the case with uh, Jesse Eisenberg in Batman versus Superman because from the sounds of it, he's not going to come back. Huh. So what's happening is all of the highly credible actors that you're bringing into these movies, but aren't like really deep into it. Like I mean, Affleck, highly credible. I'm sure he'd love to bitch, but he's got the solo Batman movie. He's yeah. going to star in that. He's going to direct it. I write it maybe. If nothing else, he's got to have. I mean, if nothing else, he's got enough enough creative control in the other different departments or whoever's writing it is a name only. Yeah. Um. Everyone else, like you know, Eisenberg, credible actor. Uh, Leto, credible actor. And they're not really losing much if they come out and say this movie fucking sucked. Yeah. So they're coming out and saying this movie fucking sucked. <laughs> that is not a good sign. You're you're burning bridges. You're not leaving a good impression with the audience, and you're not leaving a good impression with the people you're working with. Yeah. So you know. Oh well, though Justice League apparently is. Like, oh my god, it's fucking amazing. 30 seconds straight of the Flash dodging a batarang. <laughs> what an amazing hype video that was. Aquaman, hard drinking, hard living. That's about mm. it. Yeah. Drinks like a fish. I get it. Yep. Okay, so. There's all that. Did you have something else?
1: Oh. Uh, well, I watched Hardcore Logo the other day. <laughs>
0: random <laughs> is that basically just like the punk rock spinal tap
1: uh a really oversimplified description but yeah okay. in a way uh it, it's less of a a satire and more just like a a story about a band that didn't actually exist that's the, I,
0: that's the that's a more complex explanation or
1: yeah well like I, I mean, I I haven't watched all of this is Spinal Tap. Uh, what? I was, like, I haven't watched all this movie that's
0: considered a comedy classic. But I have seen this a couple times.
1: So, yeah. Well, I'm, that's the point I'm trying to make. Okay. Like, like uh, Spinal Tap is it, it's a comedy. It's a satire. Mm-hmm. It's poking fun at you know the the the. Heavy metal bands of like the '80s and stuff like that, uh, but uh, but yeah, you, you don't get that uh, that sort of tongue in cheekness with with hardcore logo. It feels more more genuine, I guess. Okay. And I thought it was actually really enjoyable. I, I I liked it a lot. Okay, worth checking out for those of you who like punk rock.
0: About a week ago, I did a marathon of the first season of the Real World. thank you MTV classic (laughs) I've actually mentioned that to a few different people and they give me like a really disgusted look (laughs) and it's like you know what take a moment and like remember what the real world was like before all the the shit sleazy reality shows were like Temptation Island and Mr. Personality and Joe Millionaire basically all all the ones from Fox
1: the Bachelor. I don't know yeah. if that was Fox, but that one No time. That, well
0: that's ABC, but that, yeah, that's still pretty sleazy. You wanna keep on convincing people that it's all about true love when like what, two of these relationships has worked out? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, I mean I was when the real world first started, like for the first few seasons, it genuinely just felt like a documentary show. Like, yeah. and you know, everyone shits on the whole like, well, how dare they call it the real world? You know, this isn't representative of the real world at all. It's like, oh yeah, no shit in the real world. Like eight different people from different uh, demographics and different backgrounds that don't make a lot of money move into a fantastic loft department. No, no, really? That's not the real world. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> it's a fucking name. People get over it. Yeah. The, the purpose of the name is because, keep in mind, when this came out, reality TV did not exist. This was <laughs> it for reality yeah. TV for quite some years. So, if if you just named it, like, you know, Eight's
1: Company or
0: something, <laughs> and people tuned in, they'd be like, Where, where's the laugh track? I don't know, what's going <laughs> on here?
1: Where the fuck is Don Knotts? Yeah. It would have
0: been a little <laughs> off-putting. Yeah. <laughs> So, deal with it. It, it. That's it's it's a name. What's in a name? Moving past that. It was, ex- I, it was entertaining. I had fun. Plus, thankfully, I watched it on DVR, so it if it, th- it flew by uh, at two thirds of the speed it would have normally. Yeah. Okay. So, movie time. It is. Okay. So this week's movie was a bucket of blood, directed by Roger Corman, mm-hmm. who's very well known for. Low budget. I yeah, I was actually going to say, like, I don't even know if he's more well known for his directing as he is his producing. Because I would say his
1: producing, honestly, that's what I know him primarily as.
0: Uh, he's got a lifetime achievement award by the Academy, uh, the Oscars, Motion Picture Academy, and uh, it's not for his movies. I can t- I'll tell you that right now. Like it, it's for the fact that he gave Francis Ford Coppola his first shot at directing and uh, Bogdanovich and gave Nicholson some of his first acting roles. Those are the reasons why he got a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. It's not going to be for Bucket of Blood, I'll tell you that right now.
1: But possibly for Fantastic Four.
0: Ooh, yes. Well, he didn't direct that, though.
1: Yeah, he produced it, but, you know.
0: Yes. Um, just, I just ma- wanted to mention it. I was, I was just, just continuing to make the case that, like, it's not for the movies he directed, it's for the movies he produced. Yeah. Anyway. Bucket of Blood, mm-hmm. this movie is—it's all about the Beatnik culture of yeah. the late fifties. So much so, like literally, the moment the credits end, just a Beatnik's face just pops up <laughs> and just starts reading poetry.
1: Yeah, well, so, not reading, just like freestyling it. Okay. I, I got the I, idea. It was just all improvised.
0: He's saying poetry.
1: Yeah. <laughs> And still, there's like a saxophone playing in the background, and
0: just, I, I I knew he wasn't reading it, but like reciting. Yeah, there you go. Well, reciting sounds like he's still reading it, though. I don't know. I know, I guess you don't need to read to recite something, but like saying poetry... yeah, yeah reciting
1: says, I guess does does imply that he has it memorized, and
0: mm. yeah, saying poetry just
1: doesn't sound right. Yeah, he's talking poems.
0: <laughs> yes. He's got that rhyming shit going on, and then, you know, snaps in the crowd, and then, boop, gone. <laughs> <laughs> but this is where we're introduced to Dick Miller's character, who, is he, like, mentally challenged?
1: That That's kind of the impression I was getting, like...
0: Is like... like, just kind of one of those, like, he was born fine, but then, like, when he was five, he almost drowned? Sort of thing
1: <laughs> that, That's actually a really good way of putting it <laughs> Like Like he's not he, he doesn't have like a like a Physical disability but Something done fucked him up <laughs> Mama said I went under the ice now
0: I don't talk good <laughs> Oh man how awesome would this movie have been if you talked like that <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, he's off. Let's say yeah. let's let's put it that way. He's the uh busboy at the Beatnik coffee bar that they're doing all these uh poetry slams at. And they have like The art- Yellow Door. Yes, and they have like uh art exhibits and what have you. I do remember I just I just wrote down like the very first note was just Beatnik bullshit right out the gate.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> I said uh holy shit hipsters existed in nineteen fifty nine
0: yeah, that's pretty much exactly what the hipster movement is. Just, it's modern beatniks. Yeah. Just so fucking full of themselves.
1: And, like, even later in the movie, it, there's even, like, the, uh... They're having breakfast. It's like, oh, yeah, it's all organic, herpa I'm like, <laughs> it's a fucking hipster. Holy shit. <laughs> like, two a t.
0: Yeah,
1: pretty much. The only difference
0: is, like, you know, beatniks, they, they seem to really, uh love the smell of their own shit, which is different from hipsters, where, because hipsters will just say that they love the smell of their own shit, ironically. Yeah. Like, they realize it smells like shit, but they're like, mm. you know, it was, it's counterculture, you know. But no one <laughs> else is loving shit smell, so I'm gonna love shit smell.
1: Apparently they've never heard of Gigi Allen. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> Every time I think of Gigi Allen... I think back to that documentary that was made about him. And Hated? I just, yes. And I need I just, to watch that.
1: Do you know who directed it? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was actually reading about it recently, and I thought, oh, he directed it. And it was then, from
0: the, the director of the Hangover movies. and uh, old. School, that's right. Which, that's odd.
1: Yeah. No, it's Todd. Uh, Todd Phillips.
0: Oh, that's right. I I I didn't remember his name until you said it. (laughs) Yeah, and even then I barely remembered it. Even when you flat out said it to me, I was like, ah. So, moving on. (laughs) That's how little I care about him. Um, this movie has almost verbatim the same plot as another horror movie that we're not going to be watching for the cold movie challenge, but we could, which is called Color Me Blood Red directed by Herschel Gordon-Lewis, mm-hmm. which that could have definitely been for Splatter Movie Guide and Psychotronic Encyclopedia Film, but most specifically could be for the upcoming Herschel Gordon-Lewis week. But uh, in that film, the plot is about a painter that keeps killing people because the color of blood is perfect in his paintings, and it's making... Motherfucker. <laughs> what
1: i i i uh i actually made note because uh a few years ago i had an idea uh it wasn't it wasn't gonna be for a movie it was like a like a short story i I had started writing about like characters and stuff like that about a serial killer who murders people and uses his blood as paint
0: okay (laughs) yeah
1: it exists well scrap that idea that i had no intention of following through with
0: well if it makes you feel any better you don't deserve that idea Because you you interrupt people by just yelling, motherfucker. So, yeah, that's what you get. That's what you get, bro. Mm. Anyway, so that's the plot of Color Me Blood Red. This movie is about uh, a beatnik artist wannabe that starts killing people and putting a layer of clay on top of their bodies to make Mm -hmm. a sculpture, and the sculptures uh, catch on, and it becomes very successful that way. Yeah. Yeah. Which I want to point out. How thin was the layer of clay on these sculptures, man?
1: Because like, it was it was it, it would almost have to be pretty thin. I mean, if if he wanted to retain the shape of the subject and not look bloated.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, like not only that, but when it got to uh, okay, so the first uh, sculpture, if you want to call it that, is a cat yeah. that had gotten caught. In the wall of his apartment, which made me think back to *Sunny Philadelphia*.
1: I, I actually said that out loud as soon as like he uh, he was like knocking on the wall, and like the cat was there, I'm like cat in the wall. Huh? Now you're talking my language.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like it, I couldn't help but think of it. I'm almost yeah. wondering if they got the idea for that episode from there.
1: I, I the thought it had occurred to me as well,
0: but uh, for some reason, he thinks I know how to get that cat out of the wall. I'm going to stab <laughs> the wall with a knife. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, surprise, surprise, doesn't work out. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I made a note of that too. But like, yeah, every time I have to cut a hole in my wall, I, I use a steak knife. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> and like, yeah, it mainly goes into the cat. Yeah. So now he just has a knife impaled cat that he just decides, you know what? I'm going to put some clay on that. <laughs> and he brings it to the yellow door the next morning. And they're really impressed by it. I want to point out, he left the knife in the cat. Yeah. That's the awesome part. It's just like, it looks like a clay sculpture of a cat with not a lot of detail on it. Yeah. And then just a knife jutting out of it. And the whiskers are kept on the cat. That was another thing I noticed. Yeah. Like, at no point were they wondering, uh, are these whiskers clay? or. What? Yeah. Of course, I, guess, I don't know, the, the knife's not clay, so I guess they were open to other forms yeah. being brought into it. But yeah, for some reason they're impressed by this. I don't really get yeah. why. Yeah, At this point, I'm thinking, like, he could have just in a hunk of clay, just thrown it at the wall, and whatever shape resulted brought that in. Like, oh my god, it's amazing.
1: Maybe they are hipsters. Maybe they know it looks like garbage, and that's why they like it.
0: Ooh. That's a good idea. That's a good theory. I like yeah. that theory. <laughs> Uh, later on, after the cat sculptures kind of you know getting some traction and you know he's getting some credibility, there's this one lady that hangs out at the coffee shop that slips him a packet of complimentary heroin yeah. <laughs> which whew, man. Okay, like uh, you know a little little uh, bag of coke. okay. Yeah, heroin. That's not that's not a recreational drug. <laughs> you, you build your life around that. Yeah, but uh, that's when we find out. Well, no, we found out this about this earlier, but this is when we get the payoff of the fact that one of the people that frequent the coffee bar is an undercover cop.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> like I, it, I, I was wondering if they were going to do anything else with that subplot, but nope. Well, like it's just used as a vehicle to get. The person to follow him home.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the best part that comes from it, at least as far as I was concerned, was he followed him home. Um, was it was it Barney was the name of Dick Miller's character? Walter. Walter. Oh, man, I was off. Uh, follows Walter all the way back to his apartment, busts in, and it's pretty obvious the entire time Walter does not realize what the fuck's going on. He, yeah. doesn't, he doesn't realize until way into it that this guy was an undercover cop the whole time. Once he does, he's like, oh, that's awesome. So, like, there's no sign of him knowing anything that's going down. Like, he doesn't know that he's had heroin this entire time. Yeah. And,
1: and like, even when it's pointed out to him, it doesn't really register. He's like, oh, that's weird. Why would you give mm-hmm. me heroin? Yeah. <laughs>
0: I think he was even like, oh, that was nice of her. Yeah. <laughs> he just knows that it's very... Expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. It's like, oh, she gave something expensive for free. That's really nice. Like, okay, the this guy's an undercover cop. He's basically been staking the place out. He's gotten to be a regular. So he should know Walter pretty well at this point. He should know that Walter has problems. Yeah. And he sees this woman... Give Walter a packet of heroin when Walter did not ask for one. Right. Instead of following her, he follows Walter. And then confronts Walter at Walter's own place. Does not at any point decide, I'm going to take him down on the street. Yeah. So that he's not going to potentially cause harm to me. Yeah. He decides, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this in the privacy of his own apartment. Yeah. And... When he does that, this was the best part. The cop says to him, Who's fixing you up? Yeah. <laughs> After he saw the yeah. person give him the fucking drugs, he <laughs> says, Who gave you the drugs? <laughs> it's like, Why didn't you think? You know, one, you know what the answer is. Two, you should have gone that path. Yeah. Three, uh, you're, you will never be a detective. You're fucking horrible at this. <laughs> you cannot figure out this guy is. You know, mentally challenged, he doesn't know what's going on, and he's the one you want to take down. Yeah. Holy shit. You deserve to have your face split open by a frying pan, good sir. Mm-hmm. By the way, spoiler alert, that's what happens. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't just an oddly specific saying that I was
1: starting. And then he like, he hides it by like attaching it to the ceiling or something, I don't know. I thought but, it was like... Just
0: basically like a crawl space attic.
1: Yeah, that could be it. And, which is you know,
0: also which is also very unusual for an apartment.
1: Yeah. Uh, I like that cuz like immediately after like the the landlady comes in wondering about the ruckus and uh it, she's like she's looking around and then like in the background we just see like the arm dangled down mm-hmm. in the middle of the door frame and she's you know doing her rounds and he's like okay well you got to go now see you later bye and then uh a- after he he closes the door behind her he goes back and he's cleaning up a fresh pool of blood in the middle of his living room where she was just walking around where he killed the cop. Mm -hmm. It's like she's looking around, she's, you know, eyeing the place over, and at no point did she notice, oh, there's a fresh puddle of blood in the middle of his living room.
0: I. Not to not take anything away from what you were saying, but like, I just jotted down. I want to make sure I check this out later. I'm curious to see what the recording quality of this is going to be because about a minute ago, you just basically sound like you were drowning in electricity.
1: <laughs> huh. Well, I feel fine. So. Okay.
0: Well, that's all that matters then. Yeah. But, yeah, it. Just, this was odd. Like, this is just one of those moments in, you know, these type of movies where it's like, and we're going to have to just momentarily suspend disbelief because no one would ever act like this this thing would never happen yeah. but for the sake of the plot it's got to happen yeah she's got to not notice the giant pool of blood the cops got to follow the mentally challenged person that was handed drugs against his will instead of the person that gave him the drugs yeah okay I do like the fact that later on after he makes the statue out of uh, the cop's body and he brings over the owner of the yellow door and the girl that he's got a thing for to show it to him. The landlady comes in, sees it, and she, like, gets scared shitless of a statue.
1: Yeah.
0: I just thought that was very odd.
1: Because it's so lifelike.
0: Oh, yeah. Later on, they have a show for him, and they also have, like, a a night in his honor before that where he's, like, on a throne... With, yeah. like, a, like a kind of like a Burger King crown sort of thing. Yeah. And a uh, staff that is seriously, it's just a plunger. Yeah. It's just a plunger that he's holding upside down. Yeah. I don't know if that's what it was meant to be or if, like, that was, like, beatnik humor or something. I don't know, man. But I did get a kick out of that. Yeah. Uh... He gets drunk and then stumbles off.
1: See, I, I really thought he was going to get drunk and then just like blurt out, "Yeah."
0: I was thinking the same too, and, and, and they movie. even
1: they even sort of alluded to that too because he's talking to uh, it, the owner, his boss, who's already suspicious of him. We get the idea, mm-hmm. uh, and he says, uh, "says Yeah, don't drink too much. You might uh i I can't remember how he puts it, but like you you might say something you're going to regret." Oh. uh sort of hinting at.
0: So his main concern was that he would confess it, not that he's going to keep murdering people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, this is drawn in business for him, so...
0: Okay. Um. After the party in his honor, he just stumbles off down the street, bumps into a guy that's uh, doing some sort of word work, using, like, one of those... Uh, uh, was it a radial saw? Miter saw?
1: Yeah. Yeah, miter saw, I think.
0: Uh, okay. And... He's like, mm, yeah, you're good enough. I'm going to kill you. And somehow, despite the fact that like he's a pretty scrawny guy and drunk, he's able to overpower this guy and get yeah. his head on there and just run the saw over his neck and made a bust out of him. Yeah. I did like the uh, fact that later on when they have the show for him, he has four pieces. Yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. Can you have a show for an artist with only four pieces?
1: Uh it's, yeah, we just saw it happen.
0: Okay. Well, I, yeah. I got I got I got assume that this is accurate. <laughs> Especially when like um oh, we even completely glossed over the third. Oh yeah, sculpture. Yeah, I think it was the, the third. With um
1: the the blonde model.
0: Yeah, she was like a I guess professional, if you want to call it that. A professional model for artists, and she was just being an absolute bitch. Well, she eh? was
1: getting paid for it, so... Well,
0: yeah, okay. Good point. (laughs) Amateur professional. Yeah. And she was just being a real bitch to him at the coffee shop, so he just follows her back to her place, says, hey, sorry, let's let bygones be bygones, also, would you model for me? And then just strangles her while she's uh, doing, like, nude poses. Yeah. No point, is anyone ever wondering, like, How is this person who has, who seems to have some, you know, mental capacity problems, who has shown no history of having any artistic ability, pulling these statues off? And especially for the, like, the full-sized ones? Yeah. He's saying, like, oh, it just takes me a night.
1: Yeah, did it last night.
0: How, that would, that should bring up some questions. (laughs) Also, why are none of these smelling yeah, it was like I remember from my MythBusters. They put like a a, a pig carcass underneath um, their like uh, the sidewalk outside of their building. Like they yeah. they they got um, a jackhammer busted up the the sidewalk, put the pig down there, put a fresh thing of cement over that, and like within a week or two, it just you could smell it. <laughs> so like a uh, thin layer of clay. Is not going to prevent this. Now, granted, yeah. these people are not in the clay sculptures for a couple of weeks. But, you know, it, it won't take that long. Yeah. This is in California, so, I mean, it's not... You'll be it, able to
1: smell something.
0: Yes. It, they're not being refrigerated. Yeah. And then uh, we get to the end of the movie at the show for him. The girl that he's got a thing for notices on the, uh, on the model's... Sculpture that the clay's missing off the fingernail, and she could see the actual finger underneath. And that's when she realized, oh shit, these are real people. Yeah. Confronts him about it. And she realizes this has been what he's doing the whole time, and he's fully aware that he's murdering people, which I don't know what she was expecting. Yeah. Like, oh shit, you're telling me someone swapped out my sculptures for corpses? <laughs> so, chase ensues when they're doing their chase. That's when everyone back at the show finds out because they see what she saw and it gets out there. I don't know why she ran in the first place. She's in a place with a lot of people that are her friends and she decides, you know, I'm going to go out in the open in the middle of the night where <laughs> there's no one to help me. Yeah. Okay, sure. And he ends up Going home, like, being haunted by the voices of the people he killed. Despite the fact that he's, like, shown really no remorse for doing any of this up to this point. Yeah. Now he's got a level of remorse so bad that he's recreating the Telltale Heart. So he goes back to his apartment and, like, I guess, tries to make himself a sculpture while hanging himself. Yeah. He's just hanging from, like, a beam. And he's just got clay on him.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then we get uh hipster guy's voiceover like, and it would have been his best piece. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which I believe if this movie went on just a little bit longer, you just would have had that followed by the police detective going, you know, Greg, could you just be a little considerate? Yeah. <laughs> you don't need like a 'twas beauty, kill the beast moment. There's a dead guy hanging in front of us. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be a little nice about this. Um, the ending took a different direction than what I was expecting. Really? Yeah. Because before they get to the show, he confesses his love to the girl that he's been pining after all this time. Yeah. And she rejects him, basically saying, I just want to be friends. So he feels devastated, and that's when he says, Would you do me a favor, would you let me make a sculpture out of you? AKA
1: Yeah, that's I want to kill you. Yeah. She's
0: like you know she does obviously at the time doesn't realize he's killing people she's like oh sir I'm flattered I'd love to do that okay and then they go to the show then that's when she finds out blah 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 but what I was expecting to happen was they would skip the show go back to his place meanwhile the show's still going on people find out there like they do already in the movie that the uh sculptures are corpses yeah and maybe like the, um, kind of the the freeloader beatniks that got kicked out of the place during the show. Yeah. Like they were just on the street and they saw, uh,
1: they saw go, them leaving together. Yeah, or... yeah.
0: Saw them making their way back to his place.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And then they get bumped into by people that were leaving the coffee shop. They're all, you know, trying to find him. They find out from the beatniks. Oh yeah. I saw them going back to their place. So it's a race against time. Get yeah. there before he kills her. Yeah, I, I think
1: that would have been better, actually.
0: Yeah, I did, too. And they were setting it up for that. And it's just, nope. Yeah. They, they they set it up for that, and then they go in a different direction, and then when you think, like, well, you know, they could still go in the direction that they were, you know, going with, and then it's like, nope, they never do. Not yeah. Even close. But, you know, I don't want that to be a massive knock on this movie, because I actually really enjoyed this movie. I, like, I had
1: a lot of fun with this.
0: It's really, really short. That helps. It's 65 minutes, if I remember correctly. Yep. Definitely, I would imagine the B picture to a double feature. Yeah. That's usually where they put the shorter ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another one where, like, it's not... You know, comparing this to the movie from last week. This isn't a case of this feeling genuine, like the van did. Like, the van felt like a movie of its time uh, you know, we're we're getting a very accurate representation of uh, a culture from an era and we're getting a representation that's accurate of the culture and the era yeah. here. Mm, yeah, to a certain degree, we're getting accurate rep- representation of the era. I, not, not to the culture really at all. I mean, like it's, it's very stereotypical, all of this. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, you know, obviously there's going to be some truth to it. But it's very obvious this movie's being made by people that don't know what the fuck they're talking about in terms of, like, the beatnik culture.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely got that.
0: But at the same time, it's still, like, it's not insulting to my intelligence, I guess. I like the concept of the movie. I really like the concept of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Apart from the fact that, like, I don't understand how he could put, like, a a millimeter thick layer of clay on these people and (laughs) no one's going to think anything of it. (laughs) How is he getting them into the kiln? That's what I want to (laughs) know. It's A massive kiln. Although, no, I take that back. I have seen a slasher movie once where uh, someone was murdered by being uh, burned alive in a kiln. So, Mm. it's possible. Alright. but uh, Good to know. Well, it's possible according to that movie. I think it was uh, <laughs> Cutting Class, which okay. had an early early role by Brad Pitt in it. Okay. So, that's, there's that. Um, I enjoyed the movie. I was thinking quite a bit about Color Me Blood Red. I was pausing for a moment just in case there was another motherfu- motherfucker coming <laughs> my way. Um, uh, This is definitely the better movie of the two. Color Me Blood Red is just like, what the fuck am I watching sort of (laughs) shit. It's so amateur. That's kind
1: of the vibe I got from uh, Blood Feast. Oh, Uh, yeah. That's the Herschel Gordon Lewis movie that I've seen.
0: Oh, Oh, you've seen that one?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, shit, I think that's the one we have marked down for a cult movie challenge. I don't think so. I thought it was. If it is... Since you've seen it, that means we've both seen it, so it's like, all right, let's, uh, then let's definitely get something else. Let's get something Wizard of Gore. I'm oh, looking Wizard at the Gore?
1: page right now, yeah.
0: Okay. All right, yeah, let's go. You have not seen Wizard of Gore, correct? Correct. Okay. Um, this is def- uh, Bucket of Blood is definitely better than uh, Color Me Blood Red. It's got much more of a charm to it. I thought it was pretty pretty good representation of American International Pictures because their big claim to fame, especially from this particular era, the fifties era. I mean they did do some stuff in the sixties later on. Yeah. Which we saw in the very first week with the Wild Angels. Uh, they basically created the concept of cinemas targeting the teenage demographic. Yeah, there really were no movies being made for teenagers before American International Pictures came along, and this is a very clear example of that. They saw a demographic, uh, more specifically here, the Beatnik culture, which was you know bit of a, it was a youth culture, so kind of in keeping with the teen demographic, and they went after it. Yeah. As to whether or not that aspect was successful, eh, probably not. As much, but it's still made for an entertaining movie. Yeah, would you care to elaborate on that?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm actually just looking. Uh, I've apparently seen four of the movies on the American International Pictures list. So I'm kind of curious to see.
0: Wow, you've only you've only seen four movies by them. Yeah, or would that be five with Bucket of Blood now?
1: Uh, that yes. Okay.
0: I've seen quite a few of them. I mean, a lot of them have been on Mystery Science Theater, so I've seen a lot by that method. Yeah. Which is a fantastic segue into revealing what next week's theme is.
1: <laughs> Would you care what to is guess? It?
0: Mystery Science Theater.
1: Oh. Did you
0: actually genuinely not know? Or...
1: No, it was sarcasm.
0: Okay. I'm looking forward to that week. Bonus points to anyone doing the Cold movie challenge. That watches both the original version and the non mystery version, I did have a couple people uh ask a, uh my intention for the cult movie channel is like watch the non mystery science theater version of a movie, yeah, but by all means, feel free to watch the episode because it's a fantastic show, yeah that uh week we are watching the Beast of Yucca Flats mm-hmm. by the legendary auteur Coleman Francis. <laughs> He made three movies, and then became homeless. Really, I know at one point he was homeless. Nice, but okay. <laughs> Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, then he was homeless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Inappropriate woo. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll I'll go into that in a little bit more detail next week. It'll be more appropriate then. Yeah. But I like this movie. I'm looking forward to next week. I've seen the movie that we're watching for next week, Beast of Yucca Flats, numerous times by just watching the episode. Never watched the entire movie normal, though. So uh-huh. that'll be interesting. Yeah. Makes for some easy viewing for us, too, though, because this is two weeks in a row where the movie we're watching is just a couple minutes over an hour. Yeah. So that's good. Although I do, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty much telling you it's required viewing that you watch the Mystery Science Theater episode as well.
1: Yeah. Which uh, I had, uh, even before we had that conversation, that's kind of the, uh, the approach I had wanted to take.
0: Okay. All right. Sounds good. So that'll be next week. And until then, thank you for listening.